G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. A conversation I'll invite you to join into shortly as we talk around what's happening today here in Australia, in the state of Queensland. It may be another very dark day in Australia's history where the state of Queensland, the parliament there is expecting to vote today on the nation's most extreme euthanasia legislation. If it's like Victoria or WA, the Queensland government will likely try to wave things through quickly, almost avoiding attention to the ugly and the scary bits that don't that they don't want to draw attention to. There's an expectation that the debate will be over and the vote will happen before 5.45 Queensland time this afternoon, whether or not all the amendments have been tabled and discussion allowed. Now, New South Wales listeners will be hanging on every word in our conversation today too, since the leftist MP Alex Greenwich is ready to introduce a euthanasia bill for New South Wales. Now, there are some amazing strengths to the Christians' understanding of issues like this. Because we are created in the image and likeness of God, we know every individual has inherent value. And to ignore God is to rob us of that value. And we know we are called to care for vulnerable people, including the elderly and the terminally ill. So for Christians, lethal poison is not the same as health care. Well, I want to invite you into our conversation shortly. Our talkback lines will open in about 10 minutes or so from now. Our special guest through this hour is Wendy Francis. Wendy is National Director of Politics with the Australian Christian Lobby. Wendy, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks very much for having me, Neil. Wendy, you have been following this for a long, long time. And uh, just yesterday, you were a part of a protest rally on yep. the streets outside the Queensland Parliament. Uh, give us a little idea about, you know, what uh, what happened at that rally and just where things are, how you're feeling about what's happening today. Yeah, look, I feel a real sadness in my heart for Queensland but also for Australia because it does look very likely that we will um, have euthanasia by the end of the day. Uh, certainly the legislation will be passed But I'm also very encouraged, Neil. On Saturday last, we had a March for Life, largely organised by Cherish Life, um, Tishan Johnson, which was great. And there would have been close to 2,000 there. It's it's always hard to know, but there was a really good crowd. And that was a really lovely um, expression of, of support for life. And then yesterday, outside of Parliament, as you say, we had... There would have been about 30 people there, you know, and this is a work day. Yep. Uh, and it was very cold in Brisbane yesterday. I know your listeners from other parts of the country will find that hard to believe, but it was very windy and very cold. And and the mood again was so, um, it was full of hope because we know who holds our future. And, and I was so proud, uh, you know, proud in the right way to stand with people who were prepared to be there whether or not they thought there was a chance of winning. Because it's not about winning, it's about being faithful. And I said to some of the ones that were there yesterday, if we're not standing here for life, who would be? And and how how sad if there was going to be no one standing for life outside Parliament yesterday. So I felt really blessed to be there. Mark Robinson is one of the pro-life members here in Queensland and he came out and addressed us a bit as well, which was very encouraging. But but we are looking at um, the Courier Mail this morning actually had, had the numbers that they are saying and they're saying 54 are voting yes. Um, they need 47 votes to get this passed. So if they are right, and I think they are, um, it will be passed. And and sadly, seven of those votes are actually LNP members, the opposition. 
three of the Labor members actually voted against, or they they spoke in Parliament yesterday saying they were going to vote against. So that was really encouraging. Um, and our opposition leader spoke very strongly against as well. Interesting, though, as I've been monitoring that along, uh, some of these ones who are speaking against, and I'm thinking of the opposition leader in Queensland, really left it to the last minute to say where he was going, and uh, that seemed to me like a fairly low level of leadership on this issue, and to say that he's going to vote against it uh, when he knows that the numbers are going to get it across the line anyway. What are your thoughts here? The disappointing thing with David Christofulli was that, yes, he did not show leadership leading up. I wish that he had said to his party members, I'm the leader, this is how I believe we should vote and this is why, because his speech yesterday was outstanding. But unless he had actually shared that with some of his closest cabinet members, no one knew until yesterday which way Mr Christofulli was going to go. Um, so on the one hand, again, there was this sense of relief and so um, pleased that he made his position so clear. But then the question remained, where was the leadership? And I think when you look across Australia at the moment, that's one of the questions that people are asking. We we really desperately need strong leadership. And if Mr Christopher had showed strong leadership in his party leading up to yesterday's declaration of his position, then we could be in a different position today. Just a little bit of context here because euthanasia is already lawful in Victoria and Western Australia was fairly hot on the heels. Tasmania and South Australia, they've also passed some uh, euthanasia laws. Uh, Euthanasia will commence in Tasmania in October next year and likely to commence in South Australia late 2022, early 2023. Uh, euthanasia is not lawful in New South Wales. There is a bill, though, uh, that is likely to be brought uh, to the Parliament in New South Wales. Of course, the territories, uh, they've had a try at this and they're under some federal regime. But today, Queensland's turn, and this is what's happening in Queensland. Now, uh, let me get your thoughts here, Wendy Francis, because if they're going to be voting on this By 5.45 Queensland time this afternoon, uh, there's a lot of amendments. The likelihood is that the bill is going to be passed without discussion of the sorts of controversial amendments we'll talk about today. That's correct, and that is that is devastating. Uh, and and I would say I'd even use the word diabolical because when you've got a when you've got a law that is going to pass that allows killing of human beings. Surely the very least we can do is actually examine all of the amendments that people have put up. And these have been put up by the opposition. Um, there's 54 amendments. Five of them are probably very um, the major ones. And a number of the other 49 would be consequential to those five. But that being said, there is absolutely no way we can get through 54 amendments being able to be uh, considered and debated in the space of one day. And that day is not even, it's, you know, we're talking from 10 till 5, so we're not even talking a full day. So it, it is really disappointing. And, of course, there are some weaknesses in the Queensland parliamentary system. There is no upper house or house of review Uh, When the parliament in Queensland makes a decision, it's just, uh, you know, who's got the most votes here and all of a sudden it's law. That's correct. And what we have is a committee system. And so the committee system is meant to operate in a way like an upper house. But the difference is that instead of having an upper house of, of senators in a state, we have a committee system where the public are invited to actually give their their ideas or their um, persuasions to the committee and then we have uh, an inquiry and many of the people who have uh, made submissions are invited to come and speak at that inquiry but the problem here again though Neil is that the majority of submissions and for this bill were actually opposed to the euthanasia bill but so we we ignore that's not seen as being significant in terms of a vote and then our committee system is also flawed because the governing power has the right to choose who the who the you know chairman is and all that and so in this instance we had three votes for passing the bill as is we had three votes against and then the chair gets the casting vote mm-hmm. so 
we really we it's it just showed over and over again during this debate how our system of not having an upper house, how our system of not having a house of review is still remains very flawed. Okay. Wendy, when we've got a bill like this likely to be voted on today in Queensland, the thought that there are alternatives to euthanasia, but in some sense, as I think you're indicating here, things go ideologically and not necessarily according to what people are actually wanting about this uh, whole issue. But the the alternative idea of palliative care, I keep hearing that there is a chronic uh, difficulty uh, in palliative care, and this would have been no doubt the same in other states where governments have not been resourcing palliative care and almost see the euthanasia idea as a little bit of a cop-out and we might save a few dollars here. Hey, we'll be killing people but saving a few dollars. Certainly a lot cheaper to give a drug, a poison to somebody than to supply palliative care. But so much poorer are we in our society when we do not care for the vulnerable through palliative care. Our our palliative care in Queensland is drastically underfunded and there seems to be no argument from anyone across politics about that. The majority of Queenslanders, particularly in rural and regional towns, are not able to access quality palliative care. And I would say, and I've been saying, and many others with me, it is immoral for our government to offer assistance to kill yourself whilst neglecting the real need of palliative care. So our Queensland government has, they, they keep on saying, we've, we've committed $170 million to palliative care. Well, that's between 2021 to 2026. And the Palliative Care Queensland, which is our peak body, say that they need an additional $275 million per year. Um, now, you know, true choice must include palliative care. So it's all very well to say we want people to have choice, but if they can't actually choose to have palliative care, what choice is there? And I, I also think that I'm not someone who is opposing the idea of bringing the Olympics to Brisbane and to Queensland but we're spending billions of dollars to bring people and to, to bring the Olympics to Queensland and we're asking for $275 million per year to provide people with the care and love and support at the end of their lives that they deserve. Wow. Uh, Wendy, let's talk Christians here for a few moments and uh, let's just include everybody on the periphery here, those who are you know, raised Christian but don't go to church uh, thinking that somehow or other euthanasia is a wonderful breakthrough and an opportunity to keep uh, you know loved ones from dying and agonizing death, all of those sorts of things. Let's talk Christians here for a few moments because I know that you've been concerned that there's confusion around euthanasia because you hear all of those wonderful terminologies, you know, dying with dignity and mm-hmm. and you have the occasional sort of an, a, a sad story uh, that supports the idea of euthanasia and uh, just, you know, the compassion of letting a loved one uh, die on their own terms. Let's talk for a few moments here about you, what you see as the confusion around what here is a very, very bad idea. It is a bad idea, and I do think that there's a lot of confusion, both for Christians, for people who go to church, but also the general public. I have a lot of people say to me, I do not want to be kept alive on a life support system, so therefore I support this um, idea of euthanasia. Um, Being kept alive on a life support system being turned off that life support system, that is not a euthanasia, that is actually allowing somebody to die naturally. Uh, But I think the sad thing is that I grew up in a culture that was still heavily influenced by Judeo-Christian ideals. Uh, As we've moved away from that, we we still see remnants of that sort of culture. So we still see... um, a life-affirming culture in that we want to reduce our road toll, we, we make sure that there's enough funding for medical research, we want to keep people healthy and prolong life. We want to see governments do all they can to prevent suicide. But despite all that, there is this contradiction of Australians more and more saying we want to allow euthanasia. Can I just say that um, people say, I don't want to die in pain. With proper palliative care, it's estimated probably 1% or 2% of people's pain is not able to actually be um, adequately uh, handled. 
in those cases, then we have what is called palliative sedation and people are actually put into sort of a coma to allow themselves not to feel that pain. So there is always an answer in palliative care. But of course, if palliative care isn't available, then it's not there. But can I, can I just make it really clear that this, the poison that is given for VAD, which is voluntary assisted dying, and it's assisted suicide, it's euthanasia, it's all of those words, complications occur in 7% of the cases where that is given. And that's from a case study in the Netherlands uh, that looked at uh, clinical problems such as uh, difficulty in certaining an intravenous line, um, vomiting, uh, problems with completion, longer than expected interval between giving the poison and death. And so we're talking about really serious complications with this form of, of dying. So I don't, I don't, it breaks my heart when people talk about dying with dignity because, you know, I've had two sisters who died from cancer and they died um, a prolonged death but with expert palliative care. When I say prolonged, I'm talking months. Um, but they don't tell me that they did not die with dignity. Don't tell me that there was no dignity in their death. They, they you know, the dignity and the love afforded to them by people who cared for them, both their family, but also the medical staff was just outstanding. And for listeners who are listening in the bush and feeling like our services are certainly not up to any standard of palliative care to care for our loved ones, uh, you might have a different feeling about what's going on than even people in the city. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Likely to be a dark day in Queensland today as it seems to be a foregone conclusion that the Parliament will vote for euthanasia. Our special guest is Wendy Francis. She's National Director of Politics with the Australian Christian Lobby. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Wendy, before we take a call or two, uh, let me just ask you if we can somehow or other, in a nutshell, say... What's wrong with the legislation as the Queensland Parliament's going to vote on that today? How do you describe it? Okay, so very quickly, obviously, we've touched on palliative care, drastically underfunded. Doctors and nurses who are trusted authority figures can initiate the idea of assisted suicide now with vulnerable patients under this bill. Faith-based hospitals and nursing homes will be forced to allow assisted suicide to occur on their premises. Um, Health practitioners will be forced to participate in the intentional killing of human beings. They have to refer someone to, uh, they have to refer a patient on to someone who will either help themselves, help kill themselves, or who will actually do the job of executioner. Doctors involved have to lie and falsify legal death certificates. Um, the bill cannot detect or rule out coercion or elder abuse. There is no, um, there's no even thought of, of how that would happen. And shockingly, perhaps, um, perhaps most shockingly, there is a moral equivalence in this bill of talking somebody into taking their own life through assisted suicide and ta- and talking someone out of. So it's a seven-year jail term for either of those actions. My goodness, a seven-year jail time if you try to talk someone out of suicide. Uh, that is certainly yeah. by, I think, everyone's definition, not common sense. No. So 1-800-316-316, you can join in our conversation. Let's take some calls, and we'll be fairly quick with calls, but Nick is in St Albans in Victoria. Hello, Nick, welcome. Thank you, uh, Neil. Uh, I'm listening from this morning, your uh, discussion, and I want to tell you this much. Euthanasia is legally killing people. Uh, men don't belong to men, he belongs to God the God of love. And we deserve to die because we make mistakes to Adam and Eve when we didn't obey God. But God says, I'm the God that put in the, in the, in the grave and I take from the grave. And he did, his son. Mm-hmm. Jesus also took uh, Lazarus. We remember Satan that said to Jesus, I will give you all this kingdom. He showed him all the, the, the world around if you bow your head to me. But uh, so, uh, but Jesus said, go away from me, Satan. 
I bow my head to my Lord. Nick, you're making some good points here. Let's get a thought or two from Wendy. I mean, it is, as Nick says, uh, God's place to take and give life. Uh, Your thoughts for Nick, Wendy? Absolutely, Nick. I can't agree with you more. It is God's place to take life. And when we set ourselves up as the executioner, we are doing a fearful thing. Nick, thank you so much for your call. We'll take some calls. Let's hear from Steve in Parks in New South Wales. Hi, Steve. Welcome. Yeah, good day, and, um, and good day to your listeners, and God bless you all. This is a very, very frightening and disturbing. A lot of these people are very vulnerable, dealing with pressures. They're confused. They uh, worry. Uh, doctors are under uh, gag orders and being coerced into this. Um, but I believe the issue is not euthanasia, it's genocide and goes against the word of God. Thou shalt not kill. Uh, good thoughts, Steve. Uh, Wendy, a response? Steve, uh, I, I again, campaigners for euthanasia say that uh, you know they have faith that this law won't be abused, but this is a fantasy land. It's a fantasy land where we believe that no one lies, cheats or steals. It's naive to believe that doctors or family members and others won't sometimes pressure vulnerable patients into having um, taking their own lives through assisted suicide. So thank you for your call, and I agree so so heartedly. Steve, thanks so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. Before we take another call, there's something in what Steve shares there, uh, this idea that somehow or other all the people are good and mm-hmm. they'll all do the right thing by their loved one. Mm-hmm. As Christians, we're a little more cynical about that because we have an appreciation of the idea that you know, the heart of man is uh, desperately sinful. And, uh, you know, just look at your own heart for a few moments and you can uh, you can feel the desperation that you have from time to time. Uh, Wendy, the idea that people are good and they'll always do the right thing, that just isn't true, is it? It's just not true. Um, elder abuse is common. We know that that is. Inheritance impatience is a saying that people recognise because it happens so often. So we don't have sayings if they don't happen. So we've got um, elder abuse, we've got inheritance impatience, and we've also got doctors who are um, overworked and stressed as well. And so that or euthanasia or assisted suicide creates the perfect scenario for people being um, abused in this way. And can I just say this too, like if a loved one pressured you into assisted suicide or you felt that you were a burden and you felt obliged to take your life in that way, would you be somebody who stands, who speaks up and tells people or would you just go gently? I would be the one who would go gently because there's no way I would want to say my own family is actually pressuring me. And so this is a dangerous bill and really can be abused terribly. Let's take another call. Colin is in Bundaberg in Queensland. Hello, Colin. Welcome. Yes, good morning. Thanks very much for taking my call. Um, So my comment is, I think the decision has already really been made, sadly. I think that the government has made up their mind as to which way they're going to vote on this topic. But how do we actually convince them to get the understanding that what they're passing now is a bill that's going to involve their parents, it's going to involve their death, it's going to involve their children, their grandchildren, and their great-grandchildren to many generations. How do we get that across to them, that they're now passing a bill as to how they're going to be killed? Interesting, Wendy, because uh, even those MPs who'll vote today, their own families are affected. Some of them think it's a good thing. What are your thoughts for Colin? And I think, Colin, the thing too is that it's not only the elderly or the vulnerable or the sick who are at great risk here. The bill is arguing that it is a human right to choose the timing of your own death. And so that is suicide. So we're normalising suicide in every jurisdiction, both in Australia and around the world, where euthanasia has been um, introduced, the suicide rate has gone up. And so my answer to Colin is that we've got to go far back in this discussion because we've got to get back to the um, understanding that human life is sacrosanct, as the opposition leader said in his excellent speech yesterday. Human life is sacred. and so. But at the moment, because we've bought into this whole evolution lie, then we are the same as any animal under that sort of understanding. And so in one way, if we're just an animal, then wouldn't we put, we, we put our dog down if we believe that it's in pain? 
So I think we've got to get back to trying to bring back the beauty of human life um, in our society. And that's that's a big ask because we've actually turned our back on God to a large degree. Wow. You can't say that human life is sacred and in the next breath say, I don't believe in God because your first comment will mean nothing. God is very important. Colin, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Shelley is in uh, your near Whitecliffs in New South Wales. Hello, Shelley. Hi, how are you going? Um, look, I'm just uh, listening to your your excellent dialogue this morning and I'm just so thankful for Wendy um, and the, the campaigning and, and lobbying that she does and the, the whole Australian Christian lobby is just fabulous. Um, this is a topic rather dear to me because my dad's been uh, uh, in palliative care for about three years, still living at home with my mum. And uh, twice this year we've been called together as a family because... Um, the doctors have thought that he's going to die and the most recently was June and my sister and I spent five weeks on and off um, caring for him. We took a turnabout because we live on the land. So we were driving into Broken Hill and caring for him because his care was so heavy and uh, he uh, very much looked like he was going to die. Now, if, if, this, if these types of things um, are followed... Uh, I can see in the future where my dad would be massively encouraged by the doctors to end his life. He has rallied again and extremely strong from where he was. In that three years, we've shared some absolutely awesome time with him. I involved all of my children, uh, aged from 21 down to 13, um, in his uh, care over uh, June and the way that they grew and the compassion they showed for their elderly grandfather is the conditioning that I want my children. I want my children to understand that life is sacred, that God will end the life when he's your, the, num- the days that he has numbered for you have expired. But in the meantime, there's a whole lot that Granddad is teaching my grandchildren wow. and, and myself and my husband, and we Shelley, still go to him for advice. That you is know? just a wonderful story, and I, I won't be able to get a comment from Wendy here because we're about to go to news. So powerful. Uh, Wendy, we'll take some more calls shortly, but there's a certain absurdity about this issue of euthanasia and what is, you know, assisted suicide because the rate of suicide in Australia is so, so high. It's up over 3,000 a year. Any thoughts here on, on just the way people might be thinking about suicides, uh, euthanasia, and even what's happening with COVID and the number of yeah. people who've died? Well, suicide is the real pandemic, isn't it, when we look at the number of suicides versus COVID deaths in Australia. And I'm not downplaying the severity of COVID because uh, certainly in other countries, uh, they have really dire consequences from COVID. So I'm not downplaying that at all. But as a country, we shut the borders, we lock down, we're desperate to protect ourselves against COVID. And at the very same time, we're marching full on under a human rights banner to legalise killing through euthanasia. So on the one hand, we're doing everything to protect life. And on the other hand, we're doing everything we can to terminate life. And we're doing that through the same health system. So it seems, I agree with you, Neil, we, we lack the moral compass to even grasp the absurdity of this. Technology, the government health system, we're recruiting everything um, for our human convenience, whether the desire of our human convenience is life or death. And uh, we, we sort of, we believe saving people from the virus is a moral act, but we also somehow believe that killing people deemed to be better off death is dead is a moral act. It's the biggest contradiction. And, you know, I can imagine this scenario. Uh, you're facing uh, some uh, dreadful disease and a doctor across their desk in their, uh, you know, in their medical surgery smiling at you, offering that maybe have you thought about euthanasia? Uh, maybe you can end all this early. And, and uh, you know, that smile seems to hide the idea of, do us all a favour. The idea that doctors are going to be able to offer this conversation with patients, that in itself has all sorts of problems and can certainly go way, way out of control, Wendy. 
It's doctors and it's nurses, it's health practitioners of all types, and these are trusted authority figures. And I think if anybody was listening when Shelley just spoke, and she spoke of her granddad having been given a terminal um, uh, prognosis for less than 12 months, and three years later he is still blessing the family. And so this is there are going to be wrongful deaths because there are going to be people who have deemed been deemed to be going to die within 12 months, which that is not actually the case. And so we are going to miss out so much on the wisdom and the love and the care and the prayers of, of people who we love, such as Shelley's grandfather, but also we're going to actually miss out on the blessing that comes from us loving and serving those people in their in their time of need. There's a blessing in that. Uh, one statistic I heard out of the United States uh, where many people who take the lethal poison pills under that American state laws, we're talking about uh, Oregon, the state of Oregon in the US, uh, people actually often take hours, even days to die. I think there's this popular impression that when someone takes those pills for euthanasia that you know it's quick and it's painless and everybody's smiling and isn't this a wonderful thing but this actually this was disturbing when I thought uh, when I read those sorts of detail. Yeah the case study that I mentioned before was in the Netherlands and it was talking about complications occurring in seven percent of cases of assisted suicide which is very high but also the problems with completion, so we're talking about a longer than expected time to die or a failure to induce coma or, um, or a patient actually waking up uh, uh, during this time, that occurred in 16% of the cases in this case study. So this is, uh, and we're talking in the Netherlands, um, it's, it's, I think it's frightening that we're not hearing that in our Queensland Parliament today. That's not being discussed in our Queensland Parliament today. And if it were on the agenda to be discussed, it might be one of those amendments that could be brushed aside as seemingly unimportant. 1-800-316-316. To join in our conversation today, let's take another call. Carol is in Cairns. Hello, Carol. Welcome. Oh, hello, Neil and Wendy. I just have one question. Um, What happens to those who do choose euthanasia what happens to them in eternity oh, that's a good question when do it your is a good here? question i i think uh, for me i've had friends and fa- even a brother-in-law who took his own life through suicide so i would see it the same way and i don't believe that it's the unpardonable sin i don't believe that god um, would reject somebody who is truly his child from taking their own life uh, carol is that helpful because um, isn't suicide, isn't that the murder of oneself? Uh, well, I, I suppose you could interpret it that way. Um, what we would say, I think, from the Christian perspective is that uh, if you know God, uh, you know hope, you have an expectation that you'll be in his loving arms uh, in eternity. So death ought not to be something that makes us fearful. But taking our own lives, as we're Christian believers, we recognize that that life is not ours to take, but only in God's timing. So there is a certain sense in which we would have faith in God and the expectation that he can do miraculous things, that he can comfort us in those dark days of our dying. So, yeah. uh, and, uh, but, but, you know, the interesting thing is uh, here, Carol, that sometimes we're talking about this in latter times of life and in our dying days. Uh, what this euthanasia legislation takes us into is younger years and people who are struggling with having a bad day, mm. uh, people who are having depression or mental illness in some way. And, the expectation that God can lead you through those things, that there can be miraculous recovery from those things which uh, will be documented. Any I, thoughts here to add, uh, Wendy? Yeah. yeah, I'd also just say, Carol, that um, I think that we don't, God doesn't have a hierarchy of sin. And so definitely taking someone's life or taking your own life is against God's will. So we would call that sin. But when we die, um, if we were relying on what we have done or not done to enter God's kingdom, eternal kingdom, then none of us would actually 
be allowed into his kingdom. So we would be, so, you know, when we talk in the, Jesus actually made murder really um, hard because he said, if you hate your brother, you've actually committed murder. Like it's like murdering when you hate your brother in the Beatitudes. He, he made things very hard. And so I don't believe that anything we have done or not done is going to be reliant on whether or not we get into the kingdom of God. It's all about what Jesus has done for us. Carol, there's the idea too where uh, in some sense uh, a lot of people when they do suicide, uh, they don't make a big noise out of it at all. In fact, from what I understand, uh, people who crash their car into a tree often are committing suicide. And uh, those are tragic, very, very tragic events. And so uh, the idea of whether it's legal, whether it's sinful, all of those sorts of things, uh, what we would understand is that the reason why we have some hope and value for our lives and an expectation of a good life is because we can appreciate that God has our back. When we talk about God being a good God, a loving God, that means that we have some hope that he has our back even in the hardest of circumstances. When we turn our backs on him and have no expectation of his good, then all of a sudden these thoughts enter into our own thinking. Uh, Carol, thank you so much for your call. Yeah. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, you might even have some more to add to that because that is a discussion that uh, that can be on a whole lot of different dimensions. Let's take another call. Graham is in Cleveland in Queensland. Hello, Graham. Hello, Neil. Hello, Wendy. And thanks very much for um, putting this uh, issue um, really up there. Um, I, I'd just like to, if I could... Um, follow the spiritual side of it a little bit differently to what Carol just spoke about um, in terms of, of people's e- eternal um, destination. And if we, if we assume that uh, you know, a significant number, maybe even a majority of people who choose euthanasia are not um, believers and do not trust in Jesus, then we've got a real issue there in, um, in taking part as a society in um, in fulfilling Satan's plan, and mm. I think it's a real tragedy that we that that's not really being considered, and and I guess unsurprisingly, by the um, by the secular governments that we have throughout this country. Mm. Graham, what a great thought! The idea that anyone who dies, you're going to enter eternity either with Christ or a Christless eternity. And uh, those sorts of, uh, you know, differentiations are very important. Wendy, anything to add there for Graham? Yeah, I, I, it's a really important point because as a Christian, we would want to be with that person. Those end-of-life conversations are often just incredibly good gospel moments. And so we're actually removing the ability for chaplains or um, for loved ones or friends to have those gospel conversations at somebody's lowest point in their life. I totally agree. Graham in Cleveland, thanks so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Let's take another call. John is in South Australia. Hi, John. Yeah, hi. There you go. Good, John. What are your uh, thoughts? Just, just a couple of quick uh, points. Um, especially for the older people, surely they haven't forgot what Hitler used to do with the older people and other people. And it seems like the newer generation in this country, uh, I think they've forgotten. And they were appalled about what happened in the war years. And now we find out we're doing the same thing now. And it, there's no war around. And the other thing is, I'm wondering how many of these uh, older people that uh, the younger uh, members of the family want them to go through this, I wonder if they're not in a hurry to go and get the, um, uh, oh, I've forgotten the word now, I had it before about oh, the inheritance yeah. from, from the family. But I'm more worried about people forgetting what the war years were like. And that's the same with abortions too, because what the Germans did in the war years, and yet people are getting aborted astronomically, mm-hmm. which I can't understand. John, you make a really important point, and sometimes 
the idea of a slippery slope is raised in these conversations and uh, a slippery slope and if you don't learn lessons from history it has a potential to repeat the idea of totalitarian control the idea of eliminating those who are not viable and not valuable uh, and then eliminating your enemies those sorts of things follow on Wendy any thoughts here for John and taking up valuable resources or beds like it's horrendous because What euthanasia does, I totally agree with John, it creates two classes of human beings. It creates a class that um, those whose lives are deemed to be worthwhile and those who are deemed to be better off dead. And how easy is it for someone who is having a mental health episode to Mm. feel as though Mm -hmm. they are not worthy and not valuable? Mm -hmm. John in South Australia, thank you so much for your call. We'll try and get through as many calls as we can. David is in WA. Hi, David. Welcome. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Very good, David. What are your thoughts? Uh, Yes, I'd I'd just like to have some input uh, regarding the euthanasia thing. Um, My uh, father died uh, at uh, 47 uh, years old because he had... um, uh, cardiac problems, they couldn't do anything for him. Then uh, uh, when my uh, I turned 50, uh, I had uh, the same uh, problems, but of course they, they fixed me okay. Um, and I suppose I could put this argument that... Um, as far as God was concerned, uh, my father's uh, life was over, and uh, years later, I uh, was able to artificially uh, keep uh, living, and that was over 20 years ago. Uh, if that's okay, then uh, surely it's... Uh, uh, okay uh, for me to uh, discontinue the medication that keeps me al- alive and uh, terminate my life uh, when I want to as well. David, wow. <laughs> you're, uh, you're the beneficiary yeah. of developments in medical science and what your father didn't experience, you have the blessing of receiving and uh, that's an interesting one. Wendy? Yeah, um David, thank you so much for ringing and sharing that because I think it's important to hear both sides of, of an argument. But from a Christian perspective, the Bible says us for us to choose life. It's over and over God says, I set before you life and death and I owe that you would choose life. And so his instruction to us is where at all possible to choose life. And so that's where I stand, that the opportunity to choose life. And with medical science as it is today, I think we take every opportunity to live and to bless others with our lives. David, thanks so much for your call. Let's take one more call. Carol is in New South Wales. Hello, Carol. <laughs> oh, thank you. Carol's rather popular name. It because is. Because we're down the, uh, the other end of the scale, three score and ten. I'll be okay. 71 next month. That's right. And, um, uh, yes, here, here, Wendy. Uh, praise the Lord. Thank you for the opportunity. Now, my husband was 32 years older than me, so... Uh, um, back in 1980, I had been engaged to my husband for uh, about a year, and uh, he took a massive, massive cerebral hemorrhage. Now, the doctors said that he may not live very long, not, not even live a year, and he ended up living nine years. Mm. Now, this is back in 1989. Uh, he died in 1989. He was 71 in three months. Now, I'll be 71 in three months in October, November, December, in January. Now, I've been widowed 32 years, and I've been rejoicing that I had a wonderful, godly husband. And uh, he had a, a massive stroke. He had cancer on the left arm that he had a treatment of, so he couldn't use his left arm. He couldn't use his right arm, and he couldn't use his right leg. And I married him in that condition because I loved him. Mm. He was in hospital having cancer treatment. I picked him up one day in the morning, took him home to his home, and uh, we were married. We had the honeymoon in his home, 
and went back the next day to complete the chemotherapy. And he lived uh, another six years. And I dedicated my life to God and his care. And I would do it all again. Mm-hmm. It was a marvelous man. And he de- deserved the honor and dignity of dying with dignity God's way, not a poisonous way from the devil's uh, conniving, uh, conning way of man. And poor people are getting sucked into this mm. because they think dying with dignity. You know, they, uh, Wendy, I'd love you to speak to some of the radio station commentators mm. and on the other channels or send letters to them because people are, 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 are deceived by the deceiver. And oh, yeah. uh, my husband had some bad times at, towards the end of his life. Yes, he was in the Sacred Heart Hospice. He had pneumonia because they didn't turn him. And so I was there every day looking after him. But I had a, a, on the wall, there is a day, um, uh, thou shalt live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Mm. And he did. He had six more months. Then the Lord told me as I was in prayer, uh, blessed in the sight of the Lord are the death of his loved ones. Mm. And uh, they moved him from the Sacred Heart Hospital, Hospice to Strathfield, Our Lady of Loretta Nursing Home. Carol, and let me I just said, jump in here because you have a wonderful story to tell, the compassion of your own heart. Mm. And the idea of dying with dignity God's way is a powerful story. And Carol, I want to thank you so much for calling in. Uh, anything quick to add to wow, for, for Carol? Your reunion in heaven is going to be pretty special. Um, that's all I can say. Thank you so much for sharing your story because it's just given me a warm glow. <laughs> Good on you, Carol. And we've only got a few minutes left in our conversation. And it's been not a positive, uh, not a buoyant, fun-filled conversation today, Wendy. In fact, uh, a lady called through and said, hey, could this conversation be made a little bit more hopeful, please? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, thank you to that caller who did call in and saying uh, that, uh, you know, prayer is really important, uh, hope about combating the issue, because Mm. as Christian believers... We recognize this is not an easy and it's not a pleasant conversation to have and some might even be affected in certain ways hearing a conversation like this. But how do you think, Wendy, uh, we could bring hope into uh, the way we've been discussing this today? We're talking about this in a negative sense because the Queensland Parliament's likely to vote this law into being today. Uh, Where's some hope here that we might find, do you think? You know, um, death and dying is something that's going to happen to each one of us. And so it's uh, whilst that's not an easy topic, it's a really important topic. It's one of the only things that we can be absolutely sure will happen to us. And so what we need to do is invest in life because God has given us this life to live. And he has said that he has he's promised to give it to us in abundance. You know, we, there is so much joy to be found in life. Not always happy. There's hard things in life, but there is a joy, and so we've got to search for that. Can I just um, one last story for me? Is you know, over 20 years ago in the Northern Territory, there was the first euthanasia bill that was passed, and then it was actually rescinded by the um, federal government. But in the Northern Territory, there was a woman on the advertisement. They had an advertisement who they were promoting euthanasia. And she was suffering from bladder cancer, and she was used in this ad, and she, she said on the ad, please let me die. Well, do you know what happened? Um, six months later, she got better. Um, her, her disease went into remission and she became an opponent of the same laws that she actually had advocated for. And so we are seeing people whose lives can actually be turned around. But in, under this bill, um, they will not be given that opportunity. But there is hope. There's always hope because um, God says to choose life. And so we, we might not see palliative care funded properly by our government, but that doesn't stop us providing palliative care. That doesn't stop us from visiting the nursing homes and looking after our loved ones. We're the ones who need to educate society on what excellent care and love for one another looks like. As believers in, in God, who is the author of life, we should be the most compassionate and loving of all people. And so for us, we choose life. Um, 
Wonderful insight, Wendy, that we don't rely on the government to care for our loved ones. Actually, if we take a biblical view of that, we look to ourselves and say, what responsibility do we as individuals take for the love and care and support of our loved ones when they are going through the most vulnerable times of their lives, Mm -hmm. even on this way to the journey of dying? And as you say, Wendy, we're all going to be on that journey. Uh, I often say uh, we model the way that we treat our own parents uh, for our children who will treat us in the same way that we will treat our own parents. And there is a sense in which this is all happening on our watch. So whatever happens, we look to God, we take the opportunity to care for our own family, our own circle of influence and our own friends We don't neglect that God has called us to care for one another, loving one another, uh, even in preference to ourselves. Uh, It almost is a foregone conclusion that this will be law in Queensland today. Uh, Wendy, thank you so much for a a last-minute opportunity to reflect on these things so we know that where our politicians are going is contrary to where we would see things going in a biblical and godly sense. Uh, Wendy, thank you so much for taking some time today to share your thoughts. I wonder if I might impose on you for a quick prayer, because uh, while we're thinking things are inevitable, perhaps there can be a last-minute miracle. There may not be a miracle if we do not pray. So Mm. would you lead us in a a short prayer here? Love to. Father, right now in our Queensland Parliament, our MPs are discussing amendments to this bill, and then they will vote. And, Lord, we know that in your internal plan, you can move in the hearts of men and women and you can create a miracle. And so we do ask for that, Lord. Give even visions or or dreams to these members of parliament today that they might actually be moved in their heart to vote no. But there's people who are listening today too who are struggling with life and I pray that today each one of us will choose life because that's what you have asked us to do. And may there be something in our lives today that we will be able to do to bless others in this journey as well. This journey that is sometimes fraught with danger and fraught with sadness, but ultimately is a journey that you have put us on and you have put us here not just to be a blessing to others, but to be blessed ourselves by you. And so we thank you for that and we commit our Queensland Parliament to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And you can follow Wendy Francis on social media. She has uh, Facebook. She has Instagram. You can go to the ACL website. There'll be detail about the sorts of things we talk about today. acl.org.au. Wendy Francis is National Director of Politics with the Australian Christian Lobby. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.